everyone. I'm Sarah. I'm Jojo. And welcome to Portal, Portal to, to the, the Paranormal. Paranormal. And you're watching Thriller, Thriller Podcast. Podcast. Tonight, Portal to the Paranormal, we want to welcome one of our favourite uh, guests. She's uh, an awesome YouTuber. She has a YouTube channel co called Ghost Bike Explorations. She's an artist, a photographer. An independent woman with a badass biker. She's a badass biker, paranormal investigator. Who, Who runs, runs the, the world? world? Girls. Let's introduce a lovely lady, Miranda Young. Anybody has any questions, please write them in the comments and we'll do our very best to read them out. Oh. There she is. Oh. Hey, ladies. How are you guys are you doing today? We're good, you? Doing great. Thank you so much for taking the time to have me on. Well, thank you for coming on. Much appreciated. Oh, Absolutely. so excited. Oh, can't So it's I... been a couple of years since we spoke to you. It um, has. I've been to Nando before. Yeah. And that was a great, great podcast. Yes. I just, you know, I uh, I just love speaking with him. And then I've been following you guys for, for the past couple of years here over uh, on Facebook and YouTube. And so really enjoyed, enjoyed that and really happy to have the opportunity to be able to sit and talk to you live and kind of talk about some of the cool things that we got going on. It's Fantastic. great to make connections, isn't it? Absolutely. Especially around the world. You know, you can tell us what you've got going on out there. We can tell us what we got, we've had going on down here. Yeah. It's amazing. Absolutely. Anyway, we're going to get down to the nitty gritty. We're going to throw some questions at you if that's okay. Perfect. Okay. So what was one that you wanted to ask first? Well, we've, we've noticed that you've been down at the deep, deep South Para Comic Con for the last few days. How was that? And what, what did you do? So that was awesome. And, you know, this was actually their first annual Comic-Con and uh, paranormal convention. And so those are always a lot of fun because, you know, the first year is always the hardest. Um, but this was down in Delville, Alabama, which was mm -hmm. almost right down on the coast uh, of uh, the Gulf Coast down there. And so uh, it was a three day event. And I spoke on two of those days, was able to set up a table and talk about some of the cool things that we've got going on with season five coming up. Um, it was really neat because I always say, you know, a lot of, you know, the paranormal community is, is it's a small community, but when you start looking at all the different regions, you know, you can, it's pretty large at that point. And so a lot of these folks, I've known them for a few years over Facebook and over YouTube, but to actually be able to meet them in person, spend some time sitting and talking about what I do and listening to what they do, so much fun. So any opportunity I get to go to these paracons and meet these these folks, I feel like I can always learn a lot and then also share when uh, when I'm speaking with what we're doing with Ghost Biker Explorations. Excellent. So you've got paracons going on all over the place in America. Well, we very rarely have many of them. I think we have one called Sage and one called Festival of the Unexplained that's been going, which yeah. can't wait to go to that one again. But... Was Miranda not due to come to that one last year? Uh, that's the taboo <laughs> subject. Let's move on swiftly. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Some things Some things ended up changing. Yes, and uh, yeah, you know, London, you know, with 2020 you? and 2021, I know that there was a lot that that happened. You know, we do a lot of events with Ghost Biker. A lot of them that I do are motorcycle riding events. Uh, I partner a lot with Harley Davidson and mm -hmm. uh, we do a lot of haunted motorcycle rides and investigations and that sort of thing. So I know that over the past couple of years, a lot of things have changed, but fortunately, 
because motorcycle riding is pretty, you know, you're not around a lot of people. You're on the bike solo or with one other person. We didn't have, um, we didn't really have a break in our paracons and stuff here Mm -hmm. and our events. So yeah, for the past, I guess pretty much the uh, month of September, I had an event everywhere. We were up in Kentucky doing some ghost hunts uh, at Octagon Hall and then the uh, Haunting in the Hills Storytelling Festival over in East Tennessee and then down in Delville, Alabama. Supposed to be back up in Kentucky this week uh, at the, uh, we were doing a full ghost biker exploration hogs and haunts weekend, but unfortunately with the um, impending hurricane that's supposed to hit the East Coast here in Florida, Um, we've decided to reschedule that. So that's going to take place in mid-October, but pretty much the last little bit for the last couple months, I've been kind of all over the Southeast, which has been a lot of fun. We might get the tail end of that hurricane, actually. We were saying today, we get it across from America, whatever. Yeah, Yeah, so thoughts and and prayers definitely to all those that are in the track of that. And so hopefully here in the next little bit, get to make it over there to England. I was going to say, have you got any plans to come over? I want to. I want to because I know we were originally talking about doing an investigation when I was uh, originally going to be over there for the festival. So um, so hopefully maybe 2023 we can uh, work something out and hopefully be over there. Yeah, it'll be good. awesome. You could do a whole a whole tour, couldn't you, of the UK yes. round here? Oh, oh my goodness! Oh gosh! <laughs> I mean, so just much. the history that you all have is is yeah. amazing, and uh, and that that too. That's one of the best parts. You know, you mentioned that there are a lot of paracons and a lot of events over here. Um, most states, especially down here in the south, we have a lot of paracons here in the south, and then up in the northeast in the New England area. There's a lot up there. And, um, you know, those are always so important and so much fun if you can make it out to those, because some of the some of the most amazing speakers as well as location owners and stuff are there. And uh, again, just being able to meet these folks are, are it, it's just amazing. Well, you've got so much over there as well, really. You've got the American Indians, you've got Civil War, yes. you've got those skinwalkers that everyone's talking about. <laughs> um, it's true. You've got voodoo because you're in the South. You've got the, I mean, there's got to be some sort of, with the slavery history there as well, there's got to be some sort of, something. Um, yeah, something. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's I, I come on and said that uh, if you let us know where you are, um, we'll get something booked when you're over. Definitely. I definitely will. Yeah, that would, uh, you know, that would just be amazing because it's kind of like whenever you go to these different places, the best places to eat are always the places that the locals tell you about. Yeah, Yeah. you've got the history and stuff, but are not the history, but the tourism places. It's like that with the paranormal. You know, there's there's the big, well-known places, but the locals really know those those little known little gems that people um you know maybe not don't know the history about but really pack a strong paranormal punch so i definitely will be reaching out whenever i'm able to make it over into the area look forward to that and maybe we can even network with some other uh places local 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 groups groups yeah Yeah. absolutely definitely absolutely absolutely you out absolutely kind of rude (laughs) (laughs) so season five then coming up Tell us all about it. What's what's been your best moment? What's what what what, what we got to look forward to? 
So this season is actually going to be, you know, I say it every season. This season is going to be the best. It's going to be great. <laughs> but uh, this season is something that is actually a little special to me, too. We're going to be covering county jails. And um, last season, we normally what we do is, you know, we just chronicle the, the locations that I investigate. But for the past two years, we've started theming those locations. And so last year, I ended up investigating all haunted homes around the Southeast. And so it really took off with this theme. So this, this year decided to do something a little different and do all haunted county jails. So here, you know, here in America, we've got the prison system and, um, you know, you've got county jails and you've got prisons. So in the past, I've covered some larger scale prisons, which those are the ones for the folks who commit the state and federal crimes. They're usually the more violent offenders and they're the ones who are in there more long term. But the county jail, these are always in the county seats of each uh, of each area. And, um, you know, they're the ones who have committed the, the lesser crimes. They're the shorter sentences. Most folks are in there from anywhere from a month to around 24 months. And some of them are in there. They are violent offenders in there. And some of them are just waiting for their sentencing to be sent off to the prison. So you get a lot of unique activity, a lot of residual a lot of intelligent, but you have a lot of stories that you can cover, not just the stories of the folks who are in the jail, but also stories of how the jail was built and stories about the county and how the county rallied around to have these local county jails built. So extremely excited to be able to highlight each of those this season. And another interesting thing about the locations that we highlighted are that either these locations have either not been investigated before or they've been open for less than uh, less than two years. So they've not been overly investigated. They're uh, new on the scene. So it's something that we're able to really go in, share these locations and also share information about the towns and communities that these locations are, are located in. Awesome. How many, how many episodes are there? They're going to be the same as the... Right now, so so an episode drops every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern time. So they're right now it's every every Tuesday in October. So I think this month there are four uh, Tuesdays, but we're either going to have five or six episodes. And Excellent. so there'll be um, last year we didn't get to have a season finale with opening the the. Uh, jail and paranormal research center that I co-own with Dr. Christy Sumner, uh, I wasn't able to really focus uh, on getting done like in October last year. So it carried out and we ended up not being able to have a season finale. So that's going to carry into this season as well. And um, we're going to be able to add some extra episodes because of that. And you do all your own filming and editing, do you, Miranda? I do. Um, so when I started out five years ago uh, with Ghost Biker Explorations, my, one of my best friends, Josh, he helped with uh, following me around filming and uh, he helped with the editing. So then that went on for two seasons. Uh, we covered some great places after 2020 hit. We had to modify a little bit. So I started doing either filming by myself uh, sometimes, uh, Dr. Christy Sumner helps me out by filming. I always keep the number small, um, because it does help me to be able to 
really account for any type of noise contamination or light pollution or, or what have you, because I know who's on the property. Um, so it's either just myself, which there are a couple episodes this, this season where it's just me with the camera or it's myself and one other person who's videoing for me. And then after, um, because I am a solo team, I'm responsible for reviewing all the evidence, going through all of my footage and then, uh, going in and editing. So it is self-edited and self-produced. You do tell someone where you're going though. Don't, I'm not your mother, <laughs> but I'm just saying, cause I, I get it. You're strong. You're an independent woman, but you it can't, especially for a woman yes. in this field as well. You have to be very careful. It's not the ghosts you have to worry about. It's the weirdos that are hiding in there. Absolutely. That's, that's exactly true. Um, you know, always, someone always knows where I'm at. And uh, even during the investigation process, there's a lot of checking in and that sort of thing because you do have to be you do have to be very careful and yeah. usually because of the living um we're very careful on the locations we go to um i don't trespass going in but um you know even though you know some of these locations you're not trespassing and going in there you don't know who who else might have and so, um, so I do keep the location secret when I'm investigating to the public, just because I don't want anyone else to show yeah. up, but I uh, definitely make sure that either the location owner or, um, you know, several of my close friends know where we're at just because there's, there's a lot of moving parts involved yeah. with it. And also Absolutely. if you have an accident, you don't want to fall down a shaft and have to gnaw off your own limb or yes. anything like that. Yeah. There's always that worry, isn't there? Trust you. <laughs> Although that would make for an interesting season. <laughs> On the GoPro. Yeah, exactly. Always have that camera rolling. Absolutely, definitely. <laughs> you don't want to miss any of it. <laughs> you know, it's, it is interesting, though, uh, traveling solo or investigating solo or with a smaller group. I have found, you know, because I used to be a member of a team before I broke off and started doing my own thing. And really learned a lot from those guys. I was the only female on the team. They taught me a whole lot as far as evidence review, best practices, you know, good, um, good techniques as far as investigating. So I really learned a lot, but it is different whenever you go in by yourself or with a smaller group, because you are dealing with different energies. And when you have more people there, I found that um, there's a difference in the transference of energy. You know, if you're dealing with something a little more negative or if you're dealing with something a little more active, you've got other people that you can transfer that energy with. But when you're by yourself, you really are taking a lot on. And so it can cause it to be a more draining experience or it can, um, you know, affect you emotionally in other ways, just because you do, you do have, you are there by yourself. Plus, sometimes it can be a little harder because, you know, when you have a group, you can kind of bounce those questions off and you can uh, grow ideas just from something someone else says or the way someone else is investigating. So it does create its own challenges. I enjoy it because you are able to really control a lot more. You can say, hey, I caught this male voice. I know because I had cameras up, there was no males on the outside of the building. I know because my videographer who was with me was a female. And so there was no males inside the building. So you are able to kind of control a little bit better because 
you know, it, it never fails two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. People's stomachs want to start growling. Yeah, People get excited. They start whispering, you know, and sometimes they don't realize it's happening. So, so it really does, you know, doing the solo investigating does really help to kind of control for some of that uh, environmental factors that can mess, you know, mess with your investigations. Sure. So there's a, a balance. Is, is there anywhere you've ever, ever been on your own that you, you didn't want to stay, that you got a bit apprehensive and had to leave? Uh, I've never had to leave. I've had to step out before. Um, there, there is a location that, uh, that I am covering this season. And, uh, I did make the mistake when, so when the folks let me in to the location, we kind of spent a little time talking and I did learn that there are certain things, especially your vulnerabilities and weaknesses that if you're inside of a jail, you know, because we are dealing with some of the, uh, um, more, um, I don't know how to say it more. Yeah. You know, you're dealing with some of the more unsavory people. So, mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there, I did learn really quick and I didn't think about it until the investigation was over, but you do kind of have to be careful at times what you talk about and what you reveal when you're inside some of these locations. And, and this was an innocent conversation between myself, the location owner, we were talking about, uh, my, my father, who had recently passed before I did this investigation, he had passed about three or four months before. And so uh, we were kind of, you know, they were sharing their condolences and we were talking and, and um, I guess we probably talked for about an hour. They left. I proceeded on with the investigation. And so I was, I was completely there by myself um, for, I believe about six or seven hours. And so by the time the investigation was over, um, I do believe that just as we use trigger objects and such to essentially trigger the spirits in the location, I believe that some of these entities that were in there, maybe, I mean, not negative, but maybe just more of the uh, not so nice type, they used my conversation that I had of the loss of my father to really kind of trigger me. And, uh, it really triggered me emotionally. Um, so I didn't have my camera going, but I did have my, uh, audio recorder going and caught some interesting things. And it was at the end of the investigation. I was ready to go at this point and I really had to stop. It was actually a, a interesting learning experience for me that it's like, you know, you, you probably do need to be careful when you go into these locations and you know they're active. Um, just kind of be careful some of the things you talk about because you don't know who's listening and you don't know what they might do in return. Um, I've also had a few other situations in past seasons that were unexpected and kind of startling. Um you know, and where I needed to either step outside for a little bit to kind of let, you know, ground myself, let things kind of calm down. But, you know, I always kind of look at it as I'm here to uh, to try to conduct this research, to try to establish communication. So if I get it, then I'm excited about it, you know. So I haven't really had anything that's scared me to the point that I've, I've needed to, to completely leave and not go back. That's, that's good. Yeah. yeah. And that's what's a good question. Your, what's your first protocol when you enter a location? Do you set up the cameras? Are you straight in with the EVPs? How do you like to work? I saw your little your, your strap-on kind of yes. EVP holder. Yes. That was pretty cool. 
You're a gadget yeah. girl, I can see. I am. I am. And so I, I do always, because I'm, because I'm on the motorcycle, I do have to really kind of plan out my investigations and I do a lot of research before I go. But one thing I have found that is extremely important, if you want to document this activity, you've got to definitely start that recorder when you start and start that video when you start. Because a lot of the time when I go in or when I'm taking a break, that's when I've gotten some of the most interesting activity. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so because I am a solo investigator um, and I do put my videos out almost almost kind of like a TV production. And so, you know, when when the TV crews and stuff go, they've got days that they're there and they're filming, they're filming their B-roll, they're filming their walk-in shots, their setup shots. So regardless of whether I'm starting the investigation or just arriving on site, I always start that recorder because I've captured some really cool things while mm -hmm. I've just been filming B-roll. So I'll go in I'll try to get that B-roll first and try to get those beauty shots and then set up for the investigation. And, uh, but just always having that going to document is what I always do first. Yeah. Wow. Cool. So what's your favorite piece of equipment then? Do you like the EVP and... I do like the EVP. Um, my background is in photography. So yeah. I spend a lot of time debunking my own stuff, my own <laughs> photography. Um, you know, you can go into a location and, and take a hundred pictures. And if you get one or two that's unexplainable, then, you know, you're really lucky. Um, so I do go in, take a lot of photos just so that I can get the lay of what the location looks like. So that when I'm back in there after dark, I do know kind of, you know, something that may look different after dark, I can go back and reference my photos, but, um, definitely my recorder and EVP. Um, I also like, um, there's, it's kind of a tie between the two. I love my dousing rods. Um, I really like those because you don't have to worry about battery drain. They are, um, easy to use a lot of the spirits here, you know, in the locations I've investigated, they're familiar with them. So mm -hmm. it's not like you're having to kind of explain, you know, touching these new gadgets and stuff that they may not be aware of. So I love those rods. I also love my EDI plus box. Um, I don't know if, if you all are familiar with that, but essentially okay. it's a Echo box. EDI so, box or EDI yeah. plus. So, so essentially it has a, uh, it has an EMF detector on it. It mm. also has a geofoam. So it, mm. it detects a uh, vibration and then it measures all of the atmospheric changes, everything from steep temperature uh, spikes up and down, keeps track of the temperature in the moment. And then it also keeps track of pressure and humidity changes. And I've kind of started to notice that when there's pressure changes, a lot of things will happen. Um, so when that light starts going off, so I've captured some really cool EVPs when that happens, um, captured some uh, great sounds going on around. So, um, so yeah, those, those would have to be my favorite tools. Where do we get me one of them? Is that like a new <laughs> thing? I think so. Is, yeah. Do you get your equipment made or do you get, get it from a supplier? What, how do you source your equipment? Um, a variety of places. Um, some of it, you know, some of it, good old Amazon. Um, also some of the different, uh, paranormal, um, uh, builders like, uh, Ghost Stop have made some digital dowsing. Um, that's one that I like. I've got my Ovilus, uh, five from there. Did you um, say digital dowsing? 
Digital dowsing. Yes. That's that that's a really nice. good one. Um, yeah, the, I really like them. Um, that's where I got the uh, um, Ovilus 5 from, which is is the word box. But it also mm -hmm. does, I think it has about 15 or 20 different features that a lot of people may, may not necessarily use. It's got like a phonetics on it. It's got a yes-no box, a true-false meter on it. Um, so, so it's a neat little box. Um, but then also I like to think outside the box and, you know, I always say that you really can't limit the way the spirits communicate if they want to talk to you through, you know, a heart monitor or talk to you through, um, you know, a smoke alarm or something, they'll do it. They'll find a way. Yeah. So if I can think outside the box and incorporate, you know, something like that, I always like to try that. Jen's asked a question, one of uh, ladies, lady watching. She says, have you ever thought about a static detector? Not really sure. That's a, that's a great idea. Um, and it's interesting. I have a tool that was uh, made by Paranologies called a, um, uh, oh, now I'm go going blank. It's the, uh, oh, it's a 360. And it, uh, it's, it's a little piece that uh, sits there and it's got, uh, lights that go around, it actually detects uh, what sets it off is static electric uh, oh, electricity wow. that way. So, and for some reason, the the complete name is totally escaping me. But it's um, it's a th thank you, Doctor Sumner, a periscope three sixty. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> totally blanking out. But I I love that because it does. You can't set it off with your phone. You can't set it off with any of your other tools. It only goes off based on static electricity. And from what I found, honestly, I thought it was broken. But from what I found. It works best when I'm dealing with locations that have children. Um, the first time it went off for me was over at the Lizzie Borden house. And oh, so, yeah, and it was cool to get that to work in that specific location. And then at St. Albans in uh, the little boys room. So anywhere that, you know, had children, activity with children, the Periscope 360 seems to work really well. To look into that yeah definitely <laughs> yeah do you find do you use any victorian methods like ouija boards glasswork the the old talcum chalk powder board. chalk yeah. chalkboard and you might shut the door or anything like that i, I love my whiteboard um you know because one of the things i always like to test everywhere i go is whether the spirits or not can see me and so um so i always use that i've gone so far um I was at the Grand Old Lady Hotel and we were in the ballroom. And so I actually drew some notes, uh, piano notes on the board to see if we could get someone who played piano. Um, there have been a couple times that I've written the number on the board and been able to get that called out either via EVP or by the spirit box. Um, I've used that. Uh, I have used talcum powder before, but I've, I've, I typically have not used a Ouija board or any of the glasswork. Um, well, now I take that back. I did use a Ouija board at the Nickerson Sneed house as a trigger item. And we were trying to use it a little bit different because at that home, most of the time investigations there are, are started with seances. And so, um, and, and that particular room that, that I was in was the seance room that had been used for that for, for many, many years. And so we wanted to try something a little different 
not start it with a seance and not technically use the board, but have it sitting in the room and mark it off to see if we could get either the planchette or the board itself to move on its own while we were talking. And then also to see if it would essentially trigger something because we didn't use it like it would typically be used. Yeah. Have you ever seen a full on apparition? I had a picture of one like proper ghost stood there looking at you. Kiwi kind of thing. You know, I, I can't say I've ever seen one that looks like you and I. Um, I have seen, um, I have seen quite a few shatter figures. Um, I did capture in one of my episodes, uh, I believe it was episode two of season one. I did catch on camera, something looking in the window and it was interesting how it was looking and it. You can see the facial features, what's interesting about it. So it's dark. And you know, if you've got a light on inside, a lot of the time, you're not going to see what's looking in the window, but you're going to see something that's technically looking out the window and the reflection of it looking back. And so um, I was investigating a haunted tub and we do believe at the end of the episode, while we were filming B-roll, it was actually on the blooper reel. Um, I went back because a lot of the time, I, you know, you go and you review your footage and because you're so pressed with time, the stuff that you know wasn't necessarily um, part of the investigation kind of skip over that till later. And so I just happened to be going back and looking at some of this raw footage and I saw something that was looking out the window, but the reflection of it looking back at me. And wow. so uh, that's probably been the closest that I've actually yes. ever captured. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, we caught that. We're like, what, what is this? And so, yeah we went to looking and there were candles in the window. And so you yeah. could see the reflection of the candles coming back and the reflection of this face. So that's how we knew that there was something standing there looking out the window and it was, you know, catching the reflection of the candles in front of it as well. So, so it wouldn't have been looking in on us and it was, it was pretty freaky. So we do show that in the episode. Um, I really have no explanation for it, but I've heard some investigators talk about seeing apparitions that just look like you and I, you know, yeah. they're, they Beautiful. don't, yeah, they don't, you, you don't even know sometimes. They're not there for very long. And then exactly. Just, yeah. 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 Had that happen yeah. twice. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So <laughs> those, those of our viewers that, that uh, don't know you or maybe, uh, you know, could you tell us how it all started and where, where did it begin for you? Absolutely. So, um, so I like to really focus on the locations that have a very interesting history or a very strong history tied to them. And so um, when I was a kid, I spent a lot of time down at my grandmother's house. She lived next door to me and I would spend all of my time down there up until she passed away. She passed away when I was 23 and she was 95 years old. And so mm -hmm. she shared a lot of stories, you know, here, here in uh, the Appalachian Mountains, we call them mountain haints. And uh, and then, you know, the cryptids, they're called boogers. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, boogers and haints. And so she, <laughs> she shared a lot of those stories. She talked about growing up, you know, and, and a lot of the wives' tales, too. You know, she talked about planning by the signs. And then she could pretty much predict the seasons based on, you know, the different events that happened, you know, from 
you would know when the first snow or the first frost was going to be based on when the first fog hit. So she really shared a whole lot of that information. And so I grew up really falling in love with the old stories, the, um, the old folk folklore and old wives tales. And so um, I would spend every little bit of time that I could in the library learning more about those, reading more of uh, the, the ghost stories from the different areas around the country, and really just taking in as much of that as I could. And so um, in my adult professional life, I was, my background is in marketing, photography, and videography. And so, um, so when I started a new job, I ended up being approached by a guy that worked with me, saw my background in photography and asked if I would mind, you know, looking at some photos that he was interested in. And so um, these, these photos were from past investigations. And so he started sending me a bunch of different photos and trying to get me to find a logical explanation for them. And so after I did that for a little while, they invited me on an investigation and then um, I did a couple investigations. They invited me to join the team and I was with the team for about eight years. Well, I really found that and, and you know, we, we investigated a lot. We investigated a lot of the really big, well-known locations, you know, Waverly Hills, uh, yeah. Brushy Mountain State Prison, a lot of the well-known locations here in the States. And then we did a lot of residentials too. Um, we were typically investigating somewhere a couple times a month. Well, when I wasn't investigating with the team, I would just go out riding, you know, on my motorcycle. I've, I've been a, a motorcyclist for a very long time. And um, I love to go to the locations, really was doing more of uh, the urbex or urban exploration and taking photos of these places, putting them out there on my social media and they started to get a lot of attention and a lot of people wanting to know more about the story of those pictures. So um, I was kind of sitting there talking to one of my friends and I said, you know, why don't uh, why don't I document this uh, through video and really put a branding around it? Because, you know, there's no better way to center and ground yourself and really just combining those passions of motorcycling, the paranormal travel yeah. and history. And so um, I sat down, come up, came up with Ghost Biker Explorations, decided I wanted to release everything as a season during the month of October mm -hmm. and um, really put it out like that. Just documenting my travels, documenting my adventure, keep the episode short so that uh, it keeps everyone's attention yeah. and uh, just kind of go from there. And mm -hmm. so I put it out and because I would, I did so much with the team as far as investigating their marketing and, and their videos, I really didn't have the time to commit to both. And so I really wanted to see where Ghost Biker would go. And so I stepped away from the team and ended up doing my own thing. And after the first season, um, I ended up partnering with Harley Davidson and, and doing some different events. And, and so it really took off really, really awesome. quick. And so that's really where we are today, rolling here into season five. So, so do they see you okay with a new bike each season? <laughs> we need to talk about that. <laughs> Promotion. That, that would be fantastic. Um, at this time, uh, I'm, I'm riding my 883 iron. It's a uh, throwback to a 60s bobber style. It's all matte black and all blacked out, but... 
uh, hopefully maybe adding another one to that here pretty soon, hopefully. Sounds like a plan. You're pretty cool, Miranda, I must oh, thank say. You. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Little bit. <laughs> oh gosh yeah it was well i've been doing a bit of stalking mm-hmm. as i do yeah. as i do and i've been looking at like it's really different because there's there's tennessee alabama then there's tennessee there's eight tenant there's eight, eight huntsville, huntsville. In America, isn't there? yeah so yes. can you imagine how difficult it was for for me and google to try and like find some folklore and things like that but i did find a few bits which i was going to just throw out there and i want you to tell me whether or not you you're familiar with them okay Okay, so do you want to go first? Go okay, what do you know about raw heads and bloody bones? Hmm. Any bells? No, I don't think so. It's like a chant or something about it. Oh, no. No. Okay. okay, next one. Next one, the ghost of Kingsley Plantation. No, hmm. drawn a blank there as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's maybe one of those other Huntsvilles. Google is an idiot. <laughs> Thanks, Google. I've <laughs> well, heard you mention Booger. So Booger Hollow Cemetery. I'm thinking a lot of these may be uh, Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah, I reckon it might be. I'm thinking so. Yeah, because a lot of we don't have as many plantations here. Um, that tends to end up being more uh, more down there in the south. Oh. Yeah. Bell well, Witch. further south than uh, than um, where I am. South, south. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll throw out the last three just in case. Okay. The Bell Witch. Ah, oh, the Bell Witch. Oh, yes, oh, that yeah. that is from here in in my home state of Tennessee, Adams County, mm-hmm. Tennessee, and that's actually one that um, our librarian. You know, I credit my librarian growing up as really also giving me that love of storytelling, and so she always shared the story of the Bell Witch. And it's interesting because they actually just opened back up the Bell Witch Farm and the cave over there in Adams County. And pretty much you get in that area. I mean, everyone in that, that's in middle Tennessee. And so um, most people know that story and most people really still in that area steer clear because that is a very active cave and uh, very, very active location. So hopefully since they've opened back up, I've only been there um, just on like a day tour and that's been years and years ago. Um, but they did just open back up a few months ago. They'd been closed for a little while. And so they did open back up. Hopefully they'll open back up for paranormal investigations because that place is such a Tennessee treasure. And um, one of the things that Tennessee itself, one of the stories that Tennessee itself is known for. There's always a witch, isn't there? Yeah. Always. Uh, next one. Moon. Moon eyed people. Are they like the black-eyed people? Uh, moon-eyed people, they're they're kind of like it is something here in, in uh, East Tennessee. And that is something that uh, tends to be almost more um, E.T., extraterrestrial, almost, oh. or what a lot of people do believe. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the moon-eyed people is something I know that uh, Norris Dam that's uh, located here in East Tennessee. They do believe that uh, they were visited by the Moon-Eyed people. And uh, it is one with, uh, a vi- there are a lot of different stories associated with the Moon-Eyed people here in East Tennessee. I thought it was similar to like the Black-Eyed Children. Have you heard of those? I have heard of those. Yeah, yeah. they're freaky. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, last one was Skinned Tom or Old Tom. Heard of that one? I feel like I have heard of Old Tom, but I'm not familiar with, or, or Skinned Tom. Uh, I'm not familiar with, uh, with that one, but I do feel like I've heard about it. I thought I'd try, Miranda. I mean, yeah, she no, you know, you're, you're very close. Um, it, and it does make it confusing with uh, Huntsville, Tennessee, Huntsville, Alabama. I, I, like you said, I think there are about yeah. eight Huntsville's. Yeah. I, I Googled that. Yeah. I, I was right with that one. Uh, I should have given you, I should have given you. So right now, you know, that's the area that I'm originally from. And so right now I'm living down in uh, Cleveland, Tennessee. And so getting ready to move back up to Huntsville, but I'm sure if I had, if I had told you Cleveland, Tennessee, you might, it might've been a little bit easier, even though there oh, isn't Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, you recently got together with uh, Dr. Sumner um, with Scott County Jail. Uh, how's that going? What house? What are you doing? Ghost tours? What what are you actually doing with that? Yeah. So this is, this is something that's very exciting. That's uh, really, you know, I've taken my life in a whole different turn. So, you know, I worked in the corporate environment for about 21 years. And whenever, um, whenever COVID hit and everything, my position ended up being eliminated. So, um, so I, you know, was kind of looking at other options and, um, the, the historic Scott County jail, the jail was in operation from 1904 until 2008. And so, um, it's, it sat vacant from 2008 until this year or last year in 2021 when I ended up partnering with Dr. Sumner. And so um, they had gotten a tourism grant in 2017, which they came in, they used it to uh, really freshen the building up and do some, uh, do some remodeling on. And um, they still didn't really know what they were going to do with it. So I had found this out through a mutual friend. And like I said, being originally from there, um, I wanted to see if there was a way we could incorporate it into some paranormal uh, motorcycle rides that we were doing. So after I found out there was nobody in there, I reached out to Dr. Sumner and I said, hey, you know, how about we reach out to the town and see if we can open this up as a true crime museum during the day and a paranormal research center during the night. Awesome. And so um, she happened to be in a spot in her life where she could could, you know, do this. So we created the company History Highways and Haunts LLC and uh, went in there, did our presentation. They loved it. And so we reached out to the community and they responded by putting on loan and donating us uh, lots of different um, true crime history from Scott County. So we've got articles and lots of artifacts in there. People can go in, spend about, uh, you know, an hour in there, uh, the audio tour. We've got a really good audio tour for that. And so then in the evenings, if they want to come back, now the daytime tours are self-guided, but if they want to come back, we offer flashlight tours. We offer, we also offer three hour guided ghost hunts where they can come in and investigate with myself and Dr. Sumner. And then we also rent it out uh, from 8.30 PM to 3 AM where people can come in if they have a team and they can investigate. So 
to date, we've had, um, we've had over 70 teams that have come in and we just celebrated our one year anniversary of being open. So, um, so we got a lot of exciting things. Yeah. Yeah. Chris put together a, um, an escape room that we have in there. So we're looking at a lot of different options to get people in, make it accessible to the paranormal community, as well as the everyday community that's in there. So it's, it's exciting, you know, um, to be able to see all this grow. And I feel like it all grew from my time there is go in ghost biker explorations, because had I not started that, I wouldn't have met my friends, you know, that I've met in the paranormal. I wouldn't have met Dr. Sumner and really had the passion and drive to be able to do this. So to see everything evolve from just kind of this hobby of what we do after, you know, on the weekends and at night to actually be in my job has, has just been a, a fantastic and, and uh, interesting. Living the dream. Living the dream. Exactly. Exactly. We've just done a sleepover, haven't we? At Oxford Oxford Castle. Castle and prison. So, I mean, you could charge a little bit more for a sleepover and then they could do it at their leisure as well. Yes. Yeah. And you could even host Paracons there, couldn't you? Yes, we've we've yeah. talked about doing that. Um, you know, getting, you know, we've spent the first year really trying to get ourselves established and really trying to get everyone to know about what's going on. Uh, you know, I'd mentioned just before we came on live that uh, Penny Griffiths Morgan wrote an article about the jail and one of our uh one of our stories that comes from there, because we've got a lot of different stories that that come out of the jail. And so it's actually highlighted in this month's Haunted magazine. So we're we're extremely honored and excited about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, people have a lot of different options and they've come from all over the country just to stay in this location. And it, it really packs quite the paranormal punch. No, oh, I love that. <laughs> I say fingers and paranormal pies. Yes, I you like can that. use that one. <laughs> I like that. I will do that. I'm, I'm going to steal yours too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Miranda, if you could do anywhere in the world, like a bike, a, a ghost biker tour, tell us, tell us your dream locations. Where would you start and where would you finish? Have a daydream with me. Oh my goodness. So that's, that's a tough one. You know, I have not actually thought worldwide because I always, you know, I've, I've been sitting there trying to plan it out. I would love to do a, um, a, just a straight across the U S motorcycle tour hitting, you know, going down the Pacific coast highway, hitting route 66, doing the Mississippi blues trail. Um, and, and really stopping at those locations you know, like, like Robert Johnson, you know, sold his soul at the, the uh, at the crossroads. crossroads. Yes. Yeah. You know, David Charles about that. I didn't think he knew yeah. what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, doing those type of places that um, has a really great history, you know, going down to uh, where the Allman brothers uh, recorded, you know, a lot of their music there in, uh, I forget the name of um, I want to say it's Maple, is it Maplewood Cemetery in uh, Southern uh, Georgia, you know, really doing these road trips. So I've always kind of thought about that, but I really need to think globally, you know, and uh, a a trek across, a trek across Europe would be cool hitting uh, some of these different locations that, gosh, my mind is spinning. I can't think of all of them that I would want to do, but just really 
documenting the bike ride and going in, telling that history, even if it's just stopping for like an hour, sharing the history about a spot, seeing if we can establish any type of communication and then just trucking on down the road. Um, those are the types of places I like. I love the the big well-known places and just being able to see them and get in there and, you know, touch the walls and, and be part of that history is great, but really learning about those places that people maybe don't think about, uh, or maybe have never heard of. Those are actually my favorite places. And I could, I could spend a year just, just, uh, go into those. Do you think it could be something on the cards for you to plan out a tour like that? I think it's very possible. It's very possible. I've, uh, I've, I've talked about it and, uh, you know, now that everything is essentially opening up, we do many motorcycle rides, uh, some of the different, um, like, um, one of them we did not too long ago, uh, here in East Tennessee, it goes up into Kentucky circles back down into, uh, on the middle East Tennessee line. Um, we do some of those and it was about, I mean, it was short, but it was about a 148 mile motorcycle ride and stopped at a couple different places. And I put out a video where I talk about all the different smaller places, because mm-hmm. here in East Tennessee, a lot of those towns that were established, a lot of them were coal mining towns. And so there were dynamite disasters and mining disasters. And then, like you said, with the Civil War, there were uh, some different Civil War battlefields uh, or battles and skirmishes. So a lot of little places like that that really created the establishment of some of these little small towns that as you're riding through, they don't really seem like anything. I mean, they may not even have a stoplight or they may not even, you may not even see homes right there, Mm -hmm. but you'll see the little road sign that says you're passing through and then you blink your eye, you've passed through, but there's always a really interesting story. So we've done many motorcycle rides like that. Um, I did talk with, um, the motor maids out of uh, West Virginia and we were looking at doing something with uh, the Mothman and so, and going to some of those locations. So I definitely think that, uh, there, there could be a few things on the horizon that, uh, are a little more, um, longer, more of a tour type thing. I definitely think so that's a possibility. So yeah. many, so much you could do really, isn't there? Mm-hmm. It possibilities. is. I mean, yeah. And you've got, I mean, you've probably come across all sorts of stories, haven't you, from American Indian stories to voodoo. I mean, have you had any voodoo out there? So I have been down to uh, a lot of that takes place down in uh, New Orleans and Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And so um, one of one of the most fascinating stories that um, um, that I encountered when I was down there was that of the Rampart Street murder house. And so it was down there when hurricane when hurricane katrina hit was really that kind of sets the stage for when all of this happened but it was a very small house and it was across the street from the congo square which is where marie laveau who was the queen of uh, voodoo uh, where she used to do her um, their their sunday dances and their uh, ceremonies and rituals and so um what's interesting about this house not just the placement of where it was with that uh, voodoo and hoodoo history, but also the actual house had, uh, I think now uh, Bloody Mary is is in yeah. the house. Mm-hmm. And so um, she has underneath, she has her voodoo shop as well as her voodoo temple and are kind of like a museum. 
and she's reversed the two. But back whenever uh, Zach and Addie lived in the top of the house, uh, there was a voodoo temple that was beneath um, that was beneath their actual apartment. And so um, a lot transpired, but the the long and the short of it is Hurricane Katrina hit. They decided they were going to ride that out. And there was also some issues with um, uh, domestic violence as well as um, drugs involved in their relationship. And so they ended up um, getting into a fight. It was said that Addie was kind of abusive to Zach. And Zach was uh, uh, an Iraqi war vet- veteran. And so he had some PTSD. And she, uh, they got into a fight. He ended up killing her. And brutally strangling her, I believe, in the bathroom. He dismembered her and he ended up um, cooking her body parts on on the stove. And so um, it was said he ha- he didn't cook them to, to eat. He cooked to essentially get the flesh off the bones. So when you go into this house, they still actually have the actual fridge in there and the actual stove where they did cook and all of that went on. And so... Uh, this went on for about 12 days. And after that, uh, Zach was very remorseful for what had happened. And so he ended up writing a note, going to the Omni Hotel and jumping off of the uh, top of the hotel. The police found the note in his pocket, went back, and they saw everything that had happened there at the house. Now, you can go into the house. And like I said, they have reversed it. She does have her shop under there, which it, originally it was the the temple. But... Um, People, they're not really sure if that played a role in it or if it was just sort of the circumstances of everything that happened. Mm -hmm. But just being down there in New Orleans, there is such a vibe and such an interesting history. The Myrtle's Plantation that's down there. Um, But I I really kind of found myself fascinated with a lot of the voodoo stories and stuff out of that area because there is so much history when it comes to that. And really also kind of an education process. Um, When we went to uh, Marie Laveau's tomb down there in uh, St. Louis Cemetery Number 1, we had the most amazing tour guide. And so she took us through the church and um, the name of the church is escaping me. But she took us through there and was talking about some of the different saints. And she really kind of talked about the influence that um, Catholicism, as well as voodoo, how all of that actually, you know, they have a lot of the same saints and how a lot of the religion, how it kind of parallels each other. And that was just such a fascinating and interesting learning process, being down there in the middle of it and being able to hear this history. It's a very spiritual place, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Very much. Yeah. They do, is it Mardi Gras they do down there as well? They do. They do. I was uh, down there two, I believe it was two weeks before Mardi, Mardi Gras. And um, that place gets crazy. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, um, the Museum of Death, which is down there, that was an interesting place I stopped by. Also, the uh, Museum of Pharmacy is down there. And, and um, just all the plantations and stuff that they have. I, I could have probably spent a lot more time. And then, of course, you've got to take in the uh, some of the ghost walks that they have mm-hmm. down there. And, and uh, you know, seeing the, the, excuse me, the LaLaurie Mansion. And, I mean, you can't hardly throw a, throw a rock and not hit a building that, that doesn't have some kind of uh, spooky or uh, interesting story behind it. 
Yeah. Sounds awesome. It, it does sound awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, Did you, have you got one? No, you're going to do that. Oh, one. well, I was going to ask you one, one more question before we get to the last one. Okay. Uh, do you think through your experience of being a paranormal investigator, we always say that, especially to our guests, we have a certain amount, not, not that we're all psychic, but we have a certain amount of psychic ability and you can sort of grow that as you go along. You have a sixth sense. Do you feel that that, that you've, achieved, you've achieved any of that? You have a little bit of a, a sixth sense or psychic ability? Do you believe in psychics and mediums? I do. I do. Um, I've experienced um, several people that have essentially kind of blown my mind with some of their abilities. I think that there are a lot of different abilities um, that um, I think all of us have different spiritual gifts. You know, it's just finding that out and and really kind of taking that and growing it and honing it. Um, for myself, um, I, I'm an artist. And so I do a lot of drawing and I did find um, I don't talk about it on a whole lot of my stuff. I did highlight it on one of my episodes last season, but um, sometimes now I am not a, I am not a side psychic by no means, but sometimes I can um, sometimes I've, I've seen things when I've been on investigations. And so I thought, well, why not try drawing when I'm in the location? So it's almost like a form of automatic writing, mm. but it's, it's drawing. And so the situation, the atmosphere and everything has to be just right because I have to be able to go into a relaxed state. But um, I have gone on several different investigations where I felt compelled to draw during the investigation. I don't put it out there on the episodes just because for me, I feel like this is something that is a special communication between myself and the spirits that's there. Um, so I don't really... I don't know that it would work if I did it. Now I can film it for my own documentation purposes, but for putting it out there, I just never have because I've, that's how I felt. But um, I have been able to match up three different drawings from the locations that I've been at with either somebody, one time it was somebody who was alive. And that's the situation that uh, I did highlight last season in the Octagon Hall episode. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up drawing someone the day before I met them, which was really kind of wild because when I met them the next day, I showed them the picture and um, they just happened to be somebody that had a very strong connection, worked there at the location. And so I believe the spirits were describing this person. And, um, and that's what I asked during my communication process was I want to draw someone or something that I can identify. And so I ended up drawing this gentleman and, then finding out his connection there. And then on another occasion, I was investigating uh, an old church. And so I went in and I was in the sanctuary. And so um, I didn't know what I would be drawing beforehand. And when I do see these things, I don't see a face. I don't see, um, I don't see a full person. I just kind of start to see features. And so I'll set other tools up and I'll ask, okay, you know, I'm seeing high cheekbones. Do you have high cheekbone bones? And usually either I'll get a response of, on the K2 or on some of the different tools, a positive response. So then that's what I draw. And to be completely honest, by on the ones that I've done, as I'm going through it, I don't know if I'm going to be drawing a child or a man or a woman. And, and that's where I feel like kind of the automatic drawing part comes in. And so when I was at that church, I ended up drawing a child 
and um, instantly the preacher and the um, administrator that was in there was able to identify. And so I've got a picture of where they had pulled up a picture on their phone of this child who had passed away in an ATV riding accident in front of the church. We even went across the street to the cemetery and saw the photo that's there on, on the stone and it, it blew my mind. So I've only done it a few times, but I've been able to match up three specific drawings and um, it's, I, I don't, like I said, I am not psychic by no means, but it was really just something there, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. And it took a little time to try and it took being open-minded to, to see if I could try it. And so um, I have spoke about it on a couple occasions. Uh, I've done a couple different psychic fairs um, and a different, a couple metaphysical uh, conventions where they've had me come talk about ghost biker. And so I've kind of talked specifically about the, the drawing, I call it subconscious sketching is what I call it. Um, there's, I'm sure there's other people who have done it that have a, a different name, but essentially it's kind of like automatic writing. And I just feel like with these abilities, if as long as you're open and if you've got something there, you're open to it. Um, I say look into it more because you, you really yeah. truly just never know. It's yeah. something you can work on as well. I mean, that Absolutely. Tyler Henry, he starts off scribbling. And also uh, Sarah Lemos, she does the same thing before she goes to a location. She'll draw, and it's just getting yourself into that meditative state. There's, there's there. as well. That's right. Locations, drawing. Oh, what are their names? I can't remember what they're called. Oh. Is it, uh, does, is it Amy, does Amy Adams do? Amy Adams? That kind of rings a bell. No, it rings a bell. Yeah. yeah. I so can't part, remember. I think hers is like part of a remote viewing, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's something that you could work on. And especially yeah. if you go in, like you say, go in somewhere that you don't know anything about and you just draw in that girl. That is mm -hmm. amazing. And that is evidence there and then, isn't it? Yeah. I feel like it, you know, um, for me, because when I decided to do it, the, the first time it happened to me was at Brushy Mountain State Prison. And so we were sitting there and I was listening to a white no noisemaker. And I found that as I was listening to it to see if we could hear any voices, I felt like I was going into this trance-like state and I saw what looked like a, a man sitting, it, it was a black man sitting on a um, bench up a, a few pews ahead of me there at uh, the chapel there at Brushy Mountain. And so um, I saw him turn around and look and then from, and I noticed some different features. And as I stopped, I was like, wait a minute, there was nobody sitting there. It was like, did I fall asleep? Did I go into a trance? What was mm -hmm. this? And so I really kind of thought about it for a little bit and noticed that if I was listening something to get myself very relaxed, I would start to see these, these different features. And so, I mean, I've, I've been an artist and drawn all my life. Yes, and so, um, I just thought, why not try it? And mm -hmm. I, I've never, drawing uh, people has never been a strong suit of mine, but I thought that here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit a couple tools down. Like I'll set a couple flashlights down, set a K2 meter, set the EDI plus box, and uh, really essentially anything that I can get a confirmation on. Um, you know, give the spirits some different options because, you know, it's, it's, you know, they're like people where it's like they have their preferred mode of communication. And mm. so I put those different tools down and then I just really sit down and have a conversation 
And so I don't want to do this at like darker locations. I don't want to do it at somewhere where I feel uncomfortable opening myself up. And so essentially I'll tell them what I'm doing and (coughs) ask if there's a way that they would be willing to reveal, um, you know, reveal somebody that I can look up, that I can research and find who they're talking about. And so it just, those times it just seemed to happen. Now there's other times <laughs> I sit there can't do anything. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's usually I'm drawing by either candlelight or by a little flashlight, mostly in the dark there. But um, I just sit. And like I said, if two of the times I went in with a preconceived notion um, when I was drawing at Octagon Hall, I was drawing in the slave kitchen. And so I figured I thought I might be going to draw a cook and uh, I ended up drawing a man and I thought maybe he's a slave trader. I'm not sure. And so then the next day um, it was part of a two night investigation. Um, One of the guys I was investigating with was like, Hey, you need to, you need to come see this. And so I step out and he's like, bring your sketchbook. And so when I bring it out, I ended up meeting bear or Barry Gaunt who, um, who runs Octagon Hall. And, um, when I saw him, you know, I was like, wow. I mean, he was even wearing the same floppy hat. Um, he had the same lines on the, on his eyes. And so, um, I showed it to him. We've got a picture of us standing there together, holding that picture. And, and we talk about it from time to time because, um, it was fascinating. I really didn't know what to do with the fact that this was a living person. And so the only thing I can figure out is I had spoken with the spirits and said, you know, can you give me somebody that I can identify? And I think that they just really appreciate the work that Bear has done with the location. And they're just real connected with him that they truly gave me something special. Um, And then of course the other time there, where I drew the child who had died there at the church, um, I really felt like I was getting sort of bombarded with uh, people coming toward me wanting to, wanting to speak and, and wanting to share their story. And so we'd been investigating all the levels of the church, and, and it is an operational church. And so the pastor was there and I said, here's what I want you to do. I said, would you get up on the pulpit there and just preach a little sermon, maybe like a 15 minute sermon. Um, we had the lights out. I said, whatever you feel called to preach, just like it's any other day, you know? And so as soon as he got up there to start to preach, I had something hit my paper and, um, it, it felt like a bug or something kind of hit the paper. And so I turned my flashlight on and it's, it's a staple. And I'm like, well, where did this come from? Cause it's like, it had been thrown at me. So I set it beside me and I just started drawing. And in my mind, I thought, I'm going to be drawing a, a little old man. Well, I ended up drawing a kid. And so the staple ended up making sense afterwards because it makes you think like you're sitting in church and there's a kid, maybe a row up in front of you. And he turns around and he's like, hey, pay attention to me. And he's like, you know, yeah. throwing something at you. And so um, that really taught me that it's like, don't go into any of these situations with a preconceived notion of what you might be doing. Be completely open because both times I was wrong and truly surprised when that's what I ended up drawing. And you really, from what I found, there's a, you really have to let go 
and just it just happens. You know, if it doesn't happen, that's okay. And I was always in the beginning when I tried it kind of worried, well, what if I don't match something up? Well, you can't be afraid of that because then you start blocking yourself and you start creating your own stumbling blocks. So you yeah. just have to be open. And um, if it happens, it happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been in the presence of uh, like poltergeist activity or well, staples kind of poltergeist? Yeah, I mean, I've had a few instances like that. Um, not a whole lot, but I have had a few. And uh, that that would, I feel like, be a, a really good example of that. In my mind at the moment, I never really thought of that as as part yeah. of it until after I did the drawing. And I saved that staple and I thought, you know, that's, mm -hmm. it makes perfect sense, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to wrap this up with the last question then. You ready? Yes. <laughs> okay. So this is a bit of a curveball for you. So you've, you're, you're going to sell your soul to the devil, unfortunately, but it's going to be for something that's rather worth it. So would you, you got to pick one of these. Would it be a fat boy? Or a Harley Davidson street, or was that Harley Davidson road road king, road king, or a Vespa Electra? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's oh, that's a great question. Um, that's your choice. I they would have top, to not, the top, top not ones though, aren't they? They're good. I, I googled them. They're the top five with the Harley Davidsons. I would have to say probably a fat boy because <laughs> yes, because um, the soft tail slim is probably going to be what my next bike is. Um, I've traveled all over, you know, the, the country on, because a lot of the time I will uh, rent bikes sometimes um, that are closer to the area and I've used uh, the soft tail slim. So I would definitely have to probably say a fat boy would be what I would, would trade for. I so like the old military edition. Yeah, the old army oh, green. Yes. Oh, that'd be nice. Very nice. Yes. When did this interest for motorbikes take your fancy then? When Since I was you... a kid. Since really? I was a kid. You know, my parents, uh, they were not bikers, which which is kind of unusual. A lot of people that, that ride, you know, it's kind of almost like a family tradition. Uh, my family, they were not riders, but I remember being... Gosh, I was probably four or five years old and I had a little toy sportster and uh, it was green. It was about the color of your all's logo there on Portal to Paranormal. And it had the little peanut tank. And I used to carry that little sportster around with me all the time. Loved that little bike. And so then any opportunity that uh, and uh, I had a little um, it's kind of a little three wheeler, a little police motorcycle. So um <laughs> I always wanted to ride. And I remember when uh, I said to my parents that, you know, I'm going to go get my motorcycle license. They were like, yeah, no, but, no, uh, <laughs> but I ended up doing that. And, you know, next to the paranormal, the, the biker community, man, they are such a family oriented group that I can't tell you how many times I can go riding down the road and I can be local or I can be going to a whole other different state. You pull off and somebody sees you on a bike. If they're bikers, you'll have another group that pulls up. They're instantly coming up to you. Wow, what are you riding? Or where are you going? And sharing different stories. You know, I've met some of my best friends 
through the motorcycle community. And they're just an amazing group of people because they really truly are. They, they're not necessarily about the destination. They're about the ride. And I've ridden with total strangers where we'll be pumping gas at the station and they'll be like, where are you going? Well, we're going here. And, um, sometimes they'll say things, you know, about me riding by myself, but they're like, Hey, do you want to, you know, ride with us to this destination? And you'll just hop right in line and, and yeah. you know, go with them. It's, it's an amazing group of people. And some, some of the best stories have come out of the motorcycle community yeah. of haunting experiences along the road or places that they've stopped at. So yeah, it's a great group. Both worlds, haven't you? Bikers and the paranormal. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. The, um, you know, the, the bikers are my top demographic that watch my show. And, um, and that's really what started the Thursday night episodes after we release the, the season, after we release an episode, we do another one on Thursday nights. And that really goes into the techniques I use, the tools that I used. And a lot of that is because a lot of the people that watch maybe are more so bikers and not so much paranormal enthusiasts. So it's really being able to open up what I'm doing in the paranormal to a whole different audience that um, may not necessarily, you know, be into the paranormal, but find an interest in it once they see about the ride and the history and that sort of thing. Awesome. I was going to ask you if you had an entourage of hairy, liver-wearing dudes <laughs> like <laughs> surrounding you. The, quite a few, quite a few. Um, you know, we were we were supposed to have that motorcycle ride this weekend, and uh, it actually sold out. And so, um, but we we rescheduled it due to the hurricane. But um, you know, we there there are quite a few that do. Probably the the most interesting was at. Um, Harley Davidson event that I did in Chattanooga, uh, here in Tennessee. Um, I ended up, there was a guy wanted me to sign his motorcycle and I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, I've, I've signed some helmets and stuff, but this was my first motorcycle signing and oh, he had me sign that right there on the tank. And I was just like, there's a part of me that's like, whoo, this is, this is exciting, but this is your level. Too. This is your bike. <laughs> so, the insurance ain't gonna pay out for that, is it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, so I I tried to sign it small there on the uh, front side of his tank. So that was that was pretty cool and different. Awesome. Jeez, wow. I think Jenny Quinn's she's just found, she just said that I found your oh, YouTube channel. I tell you what, you won't regret it, Jen. It's brilliant. Yeah. Thank and you. You're well edited and you look so professional and it. it's fantastic. It's one Can't of my wait for things. series five. Yeah. Gonna get October the fourth. Yeah. October fourth, nine PM. We released the uh trailer last week. And so you can see we the trailer early, the new season yeah. on there. Nice. Yeah, you yeah. can see that on there. Um, I'm actually going to be having, um, so I do a weekly live stream as well, and that's on YouTube, Facebook, and on the webpage. Um, and we do, um, I'm going to be having Josh on there who followed me during uh, the first two seasons, helped me get started with Ghost Bikers. We're going to be watching the first episode and really kind of doing like a countdown and such leading up to this new season. So that's going to be great. And uh, that's going to be Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. Of course, you can always watch the replay if you can't catch yeah, the right. live because I know that's, I know that's late for, that's late. for y'all over there. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. So, but very excited every Tuesday night. And we actually release the uh, episodes as a premiere. So we'll be live over in the chat room. If anyone is on there watching the episodes awesome. and kind of want to talk about it while the episodes are oh, dropping. That's good. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah uh, well, thank you very yes, much. Thank you very and much, I think, Miranda. I think the future is bright. And one day I, I do believe that we're going to meet. Yes. When we yes. do our portal to the paranormal, like American tour, I think we're maybe we have to swing yeah. by and do a yes. ghost hunt up your way. We can dream, can't we? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. We're going to yes, hire a conference um, and come over and do little bits. <laughs> We will definitely hook something up. Yeah, yeah, definitely, folks, check out uh, the past seasons of Ghost Biker Explorations on the Ghost Biker Explorations YouTube channel, Ghost Biker Explorations Facebook, and then www.ghostbikerexplorations.com. I've got uh, some of my drawings and, and some of that stuff up there on the site as well as some different Ghost Biker merchandise. You know, that's how, that's how I fund my travels and fund yeah. my series. And uh, also check out the historic Scott County Jail under uh, on Facebook or www.historicscottcojail.com. Awesome. awesome. And, al and also check out portal to the paranormal www.portaltotheparanormal.co.uk for a ghost hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Come join us. Come join us. Fantastic. I love your all's lives that you guys do. <laughs> Thank you very much. We're a bit ropey, but we, we have a laugh, <laughs> don't we? We well, have so much through. fun. You can see the, you know, see the friendship and the camaraderie and everything. And so I always enjoy if if you guys pop up when you're doing a live, I always like to try to pop on if I'm if I'm not traveling and and uh, around you. my computer to see it. And did I? Same to you. Yeah. yeah. You. We're always watching. Always. It's great to have a paranormal community Definitely. all over the world. Definitely. Thank you. We'll say goodbye for now and uh, enjoy your next podcast yes. in a few hours' time. Yeah, <laughs> try and get some sleep. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you all. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for watching.